Hey there, it's Alana Terry. You're listening to the Successful Writer Podcast. Glad you joined us today. We're going to be talking about what's to do if your sales take a massive nosedive. So if you have been in this community or listening to this podcast long enough, you may have heard my rule of thumb for when is it time to panic? Because sometimes there were certain like Facebook groups for authors that you might be, and there are people really, really worried and they'll say something like, has anybody else had like 10% of their normal sales by this time today? And so like they see one day with a dip and they think the world's ending or they think the Amazon's withholding their sales data or that, you know, the big bad monster is out to get them. My rule for when is it time to panic is if you take your average income over the last six months and if that has decreased by more than 75% for longer than three weeks, then it's probably time to freak out a little bit. That does give us a lot of leeway to not freak out and to chalk a lot of things up to the normal ebb and flow of sales. So one sales day, I don't bother asking myself what went wrong. Same thing with my ads. If I have one day where my ads don't perform well, I don't ask what went wrong today. I basically say, is my average still okay? And if it is, then I, I don't really worry. Next up though, what if there has been just a drop from month to month to month? And I have talked to many authors where this is the case, where maybe from late 2020 till now, almost every month you've been dropping and it's been gradual, but maybe now you're making half of the monthly income that you used to. That is a place that many, many authors are finding themselves right now. I don't have super easy answers. I know it's not happening to everybody. And so getting really alarmist and saying book sales worldwide have decreased and been cut in half, uh, that's not true. There are still authors who are making very good money from their books and who aren't seeing a dip in sales, but other authors definitely are. So what do you do, first of all, when it's just a bad sales day or a dad's bad sales week, we don't freak out, right? Remember that rule. But if you're making half of what you made two or three years ago and you haven't changed a ton of what you're doing, um, then it is time to sit back with some curiosity and say, hmm, wonder what's going on. One of the biggest things to do at a time like this is to do whatever you can to protect your own curiosity. I'm sorry, your own creativity. So by now, I mean, get curious with it. Don't, uh, don't spin into anxiety mode. If you can help it spin into, Hmm, I wonder if we can diagnose what might be going on mode and see if you can look at it from a little bit more of a detached sec, um, point of view, right? Because if you get to where you're really, really, really freaked out and all you see are numbers dropping, it's going to be hard to get out of that spiral. And if you tell yourself that numbers are dropping and sales are dropping and that your career is going to end, that's more likely to happen because you're less likely to have the confidence to figure out what's not working and what you might be able to try to get things working again. So that's why I always encourage curiosity over panic. When we talk about protecting your creativity after seeing sales take a huge dive, one of the ways that I like to do that, so I'm in, I'm in the same boat. My sales are down probably a little more than half of what they've been at their highest. And 
some of that, like if I were to just simply get curious about it, hmm, what's going on? Well, some of that is I'm focusing less on running my own ads because I'm doing more courses for authors and things like that. I'm focusing less on my own newsletter list. So I'm, I'm just not putting as much energy into writing and promoting my own book. So there's not a ton of panic necessary when you can say, okay, well, it's probably because I'm not putting in the same amount of effort and energy into my marketing and my writing as I was three years ago when my income was higher. When we also talk about protecting our creativity, there is also a sense that we need to insulate our creativity from financial stress. Kind of in the same way that a family that's going through a really hard time financially to the point where they don't even know if they can um, afford food for the coming week. They will try to protect the children from that fear and that worry, right? We need to protect our creativity from that. Otherwise, our creativity is going to be like the little six-year-old who says, I'm going to go out and get a job, mommy, <laughs> right? Um, so we need to just make kind of a pact with our creativity. You know what? It's not time for you to panic. I'll I'll worry about where the money's going to come from. Sometimes that might mean kind of a, a change in lifestyle. Maybe that means that you were writing full-time and you go back and get a part-time job. Maybe it means that you take on ads clients or editing clients or you do something freelance with the writing skills that you have. If you do it so that you're protecting your creativity, from that financial worry, that's just as noble, in my opinion, as the parent who goes out and gets a job that they really don't like, but they do it in order to keep their kids feeling safe and secure. That's the same kind of attitude that we can have to our creativity. Sadly, what some people do is they get into freakout mode when they see sales drop and they say, all right, Muse, we've got to produce three times as much as we used to. Or this book you're working on now, Muse, needs to be... Um, the best thing that you've ever produced. And if it's not, we're both going to starve. That's too much pressure for a lot of us to put on our creativity day in and day out. So do what you need to do to protect your muse and your creativity up to and including go find another job, go find something part-time, hire yourself out as a freelancer. There are so many things. If you've been writing and publishing for a while, if you've written more than let's call it three to five books, there are a lot of things that you know how to do that a lot of people are willing to pay to have done for them. Um, handling newsletters, um, booking promos for your books, publishing on KDP. Like for some people, it's super easy. For people like me, it's like, oh no, I gotta go on my dashboard again. This is annoying. So think outside the box in terms of ways that you can earn money. Never feel as though you're less of a real author because you're working another job or not every single penny of your income is coming from um, book sales or something. Think about authors that we love and admire today who maybe like had patrons and they didn't worry about, you know, where, where their money was coming from, but they're still real authors, right? Um, same thing. If you end up working freelance, let's say you are an author and then you also accept clients to proofread their books because you're really, really good at it. For some people that might feel as though, oh no, I'm not a real full-time author because not every single penny you earn is coming from book sales, but it's all related, right? And you're doing it for your creativity, which is one of the most noble things that you can be doing. I also encourage you to think outside the box in terms of what you can sell. A lot of us feel like, okay, I'm an author. That means that every single thing I sell must be a book. 
It's either an ebook or a paperback or maybe an audiobook, but there are a lot of other things. There are authors who have really neat swag stores. So you can get, you know, maybe some of your cover art put onto mugs or tote bags or things like that. Um, you can do lots of things like that. If you write nonfiction, basically you can do just about anything. If you write nonfiction, that means you're an expert in some area, which means people will pay for you to record videos and put up an online course. You can make kind of workbook versions of books you've already written, workbooks or journals. There are lots of things that you can sell as an author that are not actually books. So think about that side of things as well. And then I encourage you, if you're at a point or if you ever get to a point where money is real tight in the business, think about it as an invitation to really strip down and decide what's working and what isn't. When, um, let's say you're used to $10,000 coming in month in and month out for book sales, and let's say you only need three or four thousand of that for your expenses. Well, that means you've got a lot to play with, right? Which also means that you might be wasting money or in the past when sales were higher, you might've been wasting money. It's nothing to beat yourself up over, but it's a time to evaluate. Okay. What am I spending money on? What can I get rid of? What can I get creative in? Right? So again, we're bringing the sense of curiosity and creativity into this. And you know, there's that adage that um, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So maybe you come up with some really cool idea and the reason you do it is because you need to come up with a way to earn some more money. You wouldn't have brought, you wouldn't have come to that situation if your finances had been really, really easy and simple. And so we can look at these times where sales do seem to be drying up as a way to, um, maybe pivot, maybe branch out, maybe even reinvent yourself. Maybe this means that it's time to try that new genre that you really, really loved. It can be similar to the person who works a really good job, but it's super stressful, but they don't feel like they can leave because it pays them really well. And then they get laid off. And for some people, there is a sense of relief. There's like, oh, I don't have to keep doing this. So maybe you've been writing in a certain genre for years and you were making really good money with it. And so you didn't feel like you could or should change things up, even though your creativity was getting a little bored with it. Now, if sales have dried up, does it really matter, right? If you're not making money from it today, why not try the new genre that you're actually excited to do? So I encourage you, of course, it's easier said than done, but in as much as you can, practice bringing a sense of curiosity and creativity into your thoughts. Think about things that you can sell that aren't books. Think about... Um, services that you can offer to other authors. That can be a great way to just supplement your income, to take some of that burden off of your creativity. Don't look back at the good old days. Don't say, um, oh, well, I was making $5,000 a month and now I'm making $3,000 a month. And so I guess my dreams of becoming a, a full-time famous author are down the drain, right? There's ebbs and flows to the creative life. That's part of what makes it interesting. And so don't let the fact that you maybe were more financially successful years ago, stop you from doing what you love to do today, right? A lot of authors are, are kind of like, this is how it is for me, at least in a lot of people I talk to. We started just out of the passion. We were writing because we loved writing. We happened to realize that we could sell books. Some of us happened to realize we got really, really good at selling books. That doesn't mean that 
if the books are no longer selling that we hate writing, or at least it shouldn't, right? Like my very first royalty check was $11. If I were to think today about what I'm making right now, I would have been just so surprised and floored. Is it less than what I made at certain points in my career? Yeah. But instead of freaking out over that, I just choose to appreciate where I'm at, come at it with curiosity, come at it with some creativity, and yeah, just remember that there are so many ebbs and flows. We talk a lot on the show about the creative ebbs and flows and allowing time for those creative ebbs and flows, but there's also time for just high sales months and low sales months. If you get into the habit of storing a little bit away in the higher sales month, that also helps you kind of ride the waves um, a little bit more comfortably because you're not quite as concerned about the money and logistics. But just remember, the more stressed you are about money, the harder it's going to be for your creativity to thrive. And so even if that means going out and looking for an outside job, even if that means um, taking on extra clients instead of working on your own writing and marketing, doing that for others, but getting paid for it, Think about that. If, even if it's just a stepping stone to carry you over, um, it, it can be a great thing for your muse to not have all of that financial strain and financial burden. So who knows what's going on in the economy? Who knows what's coming around the corner? I try to always you know, be on the lookout for some good news and some great things. I still absolutely believe it's the best time in the entire world to be an indie author. We have so many platforms, so many areas where we can reach out. We have so many people teaching so that like there's, there shouldn't be anything that you want to learn how to do, whether it's writing related or marketing or, you know, even something like really bizarre, like basket weaving. Like there's nothing that you or I might want to learn how to do that we can't find the right teacher to teach us how to do it. And not just any teacher, but a teacher we really resonate with. It's an exciting time to be in the digital space. It's an exciting time to be an author. The gatekeepers aren't shutting us out anymore. Our books are getting read. Our books are making a difference. Most of your readers, if you have financial anxiety and concerns, chances are pretty good that the majority of your readers have anxieties and concerns. And so you can relate to them. You can offer them some much needed escape or practical um, education through this. So I hope that you are staying encouraged and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Successful Writer Podcast. Today's episode has been sponsored by BetterHelp that provides secure online counseling with a licensed professional therapist. I'm a really private person, so I was nervous to start counseling, but I'm really thankful for how easy they made the process. When you sign up, you fill out this form, and then they use your answers to match you with just the right therapist. It's easy to set up your appointments, and you can chat with your therapist via messages or phone or video, and you can also switch therapists anytime. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and they also have financial aid packages, so don't let the cost be the reason not to pursue talking to somebody. The writing life can be hard and sometimes lonely, and we're really not meant to go and do it alone. I'm really thankful for my therapist and for all the insights that have been coming up in my appointments. Like I said, I was pretty scared at the beginning because I didn't know what to expect, but now my biggest regret is honestly not doing it sooner. BetterHelp is giving successful writer listeners 10% off your first month of counseling. Just go to betterhelp.com Alana to start your therapeutic journey today.